to Five Blossom Radio with your host, Denise Richard. Five Blossom Empowerment is based on an unusual model for growth, combining elements of the arts, health, and spirituality. Now, here is Denise Richard. Hello, hello. Welcome, everyone, to Five Blossom Radio. This is Denise Richard. Our topic today is how to tell the symptoms of spiritual distress. So in this episode, I'm going to look at how spirituality impacts our health and our wellness, impacts our well-being. Uh, Five Blossom Radio, as is part of Five Blossom Gatherings, is supported by Fires of Compassion. Um, and this is a ministerial site, and this is also my another site that I have. Uh, so today, Fires of Compassion it introduces to you a gentle way a gentle discourse that's going to talk or speak to a way of care. It's a, it's a way of care that's not common to many. And this podcast is, podcast is going to look to highlight uh, what we commonly need, what we, a, a usual need, how we view this, how we value this way, uh, and how we need help or to survive the stress of health and spiritual growth before us. So I'm going to proceed as I always do with, there's going to be two halves. In the first half, I'm going to help clarify with the terms and set some of the grounding for our discourse. Uh, And in the second half of our talk, uh, I'm going to speak uh, more to um, the view of how to tell um, the symptoms of spiritual distress. So sensitive people like you and sensitive people like me, we look to fulfill a very delicate need, a delicate need for contact, a need for connection with the world. And those who really enjoy or relish in kindness, those who need to place importance or purpose on how we do this, on how we connect to that bigger picture, sometimes we'll find their choices limited, or maybe there is no choice. And in a roundabout way, I would say that people who are that sensitive and care like that, or spiritual people, are are affected, painfully affected by the limitations that are placed on our, our loving hearts. And for that reason, I decided to bring forth a little bit of wisdom that was given to me over the years on how we might consider ways of looking at this and ways that we might consider helping ourselves and even helping others in the context. So I start with a little story, as I love to tell stories, uh, and I share a little bit of experience. Uh, This was years ago. But it was very profound where, uh, as I mentioned in other podcasts, when we get really, uh, when we come to the edge of experience and we're really um, careful because we know that we're, we're we're not able to proceed. So I was having a lot of difficulty uh, with respect to actually my great love, which is the spiritual, the spiritual world. I love to, um, research, study, inquire. I love, I love the, 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 the beauty of it and the wisdom of it. And after um, a few decades of work, I found myself um, really at, at an impasse. And I spoke to that last week. But after that writing of that book, I came to another decision. And because I had had many years dedicated to practice and service, I made a choice to remove myself and to play the part of the one who didn't get involved. So I'd written all that and I decided, okay, I'm going to stay put and pay attention. For those who know little about spiritual traditions or how they teach security or how to take care, uh, when things get too difficult or too violent or too complex, uh, we're inspired to remove ourselves and sit quietly, sit in contemplation. And this permits a process of revelation. It gives time for clarity. 
it also helps maintain our own integrity and hold the values that we really believe in and protects it protects us as we remain uh, in light. And it also allows for the passage of the difficulty. So it's, it's not easy, but some may call this a period of absence. And it's common work. So I did this, and I enjoyed it. And, and the outcome was really healthy. And, and I speak to this because in doing so, uh, you, you, you gain insight. You gain insight about how, um, how life, how important things are, regardless of how they may not be what you want. How, how, how your valued perspective, how your valued care is important. So in choosing this, after a period of absence, I realized, uh, perhaps even more than ever, the beauty and the power of this path and appreciated uh, the respect and the basic laws of heart. And I bring to you this because in my last podcast, I referred to this type of process. And in support, I termed it the edge of experience. And that was a way of describing, you know, that sense of fullness, that full belly, full feeling, really uncomfortable, and having received as much of life as I could manage, and how we manage this edge can be so wearying. And this process really taught me so much, and as a way of caring and taking into account uh, everything that was going on, paying attention, um, detailing it observing it, but not actively doing anything, just allowing things to integrate a little bit. So experiences and how they build upon each other can sometimes give us such a sense of being flooded uh, that the edges of experience, as I, as I call it, is so demanding and so stimulating, so overwhelming, that there are certain symptoms that I recognize came uh, from being at that edge, having counseled people and realizing, wow, there's, there, there's actually a pattern here that's not just my symptomology. Others have these symptoms too. And though we can actually speak to this, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's, it's common knowledge, really. So I thought I'll pull this up and, and share this with you today. And because I'm also uh, a counselor and I'm a trainer with, and I work with highly sensitive people and life is often overstimulating for most of us. It's common to look for people, programs, counsel, as I just mentioned, that will help us take it easy, de-stress us, help keep us cooler. And Five Blossom Gatherings became a product, a, a brand with programming that can support this. And in support, I offer, I do offer training, as I've mentioned, on how to hold the comfort and the, the gentle presence needed when things do get too complex for us or too difficult to understand. So what I learned is that building a trusting relationship uh, with yourself or with a way of working, so with a tradition or with a way of counsel or whatever you're, you're looking to grow into, it takes time. And the first steps begin with basically understanding. Until your mind is in tow, until your mind's open, uh, it's not going to, things aren't going to go. So in this podcast, um, I want to offer a little support, five blossom gathering style. And this little talk will open to a practical way, an easy way for you to take note and for you to take care. So to get us started, as I've done before in other podcasts, I'm going to repeat myself a little, but it's it's part of the program. Uh, I'm going to ask a few questions. Now, I know that you can't answer me, but you can have your own answer. And I'm encouraging you just to note what comes to mind. So I rem- And I'm reminding you that questions are going to help you with the startup of the process of your own discovery. In essence, if I ask a question and simply allow for the outcome of that question, just open my mind to an outcome, to any outcome, I'm actually engaging maybe something I've never entertained before. So that's part of the play. 
And also, just for just for your pleasure, this kind of practice is actually very old. It's ancient. It's it's. I don't think it has a date on it. Uh, but it's simple mind opening technique. And for most participants, uh, I know that it's not necessarily fun. Uh, but what to do? <laughs> it's essential. It's essential if you want to open your mind to something you may perhaps never observed, never thought of before. And it works on many levels to help provide the space, uh, not only for your own contemplation, but also for resolution. So this is for you. This isn't a practice run. Uh, it's essential. It's essential power for the growth that uh, we need to help ourselves when things are really tough. So, as I mentioned, I had taken this period of time out, and this is a very, this was part of the practice. Let the question be the question, and let my mind open to that question. So, the old this old practice is also a simple way that stabilizes the mental state. And um, helps you pay attention, helps you learn of yourself. And it's a foundational practice. And no matter how big or how small that the issue, it'll help you coordinate your life. So as a famous musician said, I saw this on Facebook yesterday, I thought I'll add it. The mind is like a parachute. It's only it works when it's open. So here we go. So as we work through this hour, enjoy the idea of it and take it in stride. Open the mind, ask questions. It's the seed of your growth. So I open the line with the first question, which is, what is care? So it's a sensitive question. You probably have your answers and what care feels like or what care is for you when you grow or when we grow when we learn to care through our caregivers and importantly through play. So little kids use their toys and learn to put things in order. Think of the stuffy or the stuffed toy taken all around the world as a tender symbol for care. So if we take the concern for care, what is care? Knowing that it works that this work, sorry, isn't, as I mentioned, a practice run, that care is the foundation for your health in any lifestyle. So that's an important point. As you learn more about care, it has to begin with you. So when young children naturally engage in play, as healthy play will promote care and well-being, learning to play is that creative impulse and teaches or we learn to relate to the power of that, of that engagement, to the energy of it. So childhood playmates or playgrounds or play parties are crucial. They play, they help the learning and how to get along and how, how to imagine and imagine together. So that growth of I'm imagining, you're imagining, we're imagining together is part of learning how to care together. So if we want to get out of a difficult position, you have to learn how to imagine, you have to learn how to imagine together. So you can see the roots. So taking this now a step further, it's common that we involve youth if you take it into the teenage years, uh, into organized games. And this supports the collective verse, the work, but under stress. You see that this, the, uh, the effect here is to support that we have to work together when things are tough too. So working under stress and working together gives the grounding for learning how to manage the edge of experience that I speak to. So as an example, the world really does value, really does support training. And we know that sports are really, really a big part of our, our learning, a big part of our world. And it takes, takes a lot of time to learn the skills and develop skills 
like promote athletic standards and these are high attributes. So I'm, I'm pointing this out as a common thing in our face every day. It's part of our world. And I'm using it as an example because these, these skill sets combine social engagement and refine physical, mental, emotional power and teach us how to learn to care. So, okay, I'm going to take a breath. The sensitivity, the creativity of all that actually is the grounding, is a spiritual grounding that it takes to work. And imagine, imagine creativity at, at a level, for instance, of a prestigious orchestra. The amount of creativity and sensitivity and work together and listening that it would take. So there's a spiritual content there. So play teaches us care and starts when we're little and opens the door to helping us when we're older. So that's a basic. So if we learn to care, we develop empathy and we learn to grow together. We learn to grow through bumps and bruises. So I'm putting a little energy here as a way to identify that your learning capacity is going to evolve and have a direct relationship on your relationship capacity. And those who can learn will open the door to developing the skill on how to distinguish spiritual distress. So I'm making that big jump now into our topic and showing you how these are the stages that I can see or reflecting some of the stages that we grow into and in teaching us that we know about spiritual distress. And I'm going to reflect that later on a little bit more. I'm going to now ask the next question, which is, what is spiritual? So it's such a delicate question. It's a way that looks to a process of care. It's a way of acceptance. It's a little delicate to speak of this because there's so many personal views on it and I don't feel that it's um, in any way appropriate to give a definition that's specific to anybody. But what I can say, what I feel comfortable saying, it's your understanding of how you maintain your soulful self. It's what you need to maintain a good relationship with yourself and others. So here I bring a little story in because it's a, it's a cutie and it helps lighten things up a bit and make it fun. I was, uh, I, I'm enjoying social media. I saw this little video. This is a little home video. It's quite priceless. And I, I'd like to help you imagine this because it'll give you some fun uh, the image is of a yearling. She's really chubby. She's super, super cute. She's learning how to walk, and she's doing quite well. She's wearing a little swimsuit, a little sun hat, and uh, she's walking barefoot on a very clean, sandy beach. It's a very, very nice day. And uh, the sun is behind her, so she, there's, a, there's a shadow cast of, before her. And this little one notices, obviously, her, her shadow. Perhaps it's, I'll assume it's the first time, but she notices her shadow in front of her. She stops. She reflects. She shakes her head, and the shadow moves. And I, I'm, I'm totally taken by the, by the sincerity, by the innocence, by the loveliness I'm watching. And she decides, okay, she takes a run and then I see her literally she starts sh like shadow dancing with this with this shadow she's trying to engage it and trying to figure out what is it what is it she stops totally taken she bends down and touches the shadow on the ground and then gently, very softly tries to move it away as if it must be very delicate because I can't feel it and with her little hand starts to sweep the shadow very delicately 
she starts digging a little in the sand, trying to remove the shadow. So I was I thought it was such a profound moment because it's 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 who can't relate to it? Who can't see themselves in that in some way? It was a really beautiful demonstration of innocence. And we love kids. And there are many levels of understanding the contents of that video. It's relative to my work today or to my talk today because we have psychology and other fields that work with shadow. And shadow can have lots of meaning. But it promotes the idea or the support that we work to integrate that part of us that we don't understand. And it helps us to consider what we do on a regular basis on that. So if the shadow as an ex- is an experience that we've never seen as with her, we're usually intrigued, but we're also maybe a little scared. It's unfamiliar, and making it real asks for a little bit more care, a little bit more of us. So making our, may all maybe makes our denial probable too, but if this little girl was able to take it in, stri- in stride, why can't we? Why is it difficult for us? So commonly, we recognize traditions. And I come to one that's very strong for me because it's very much part of my training. And that would be, for instance, the, the Taoist symbol of the yin-yang. And you see you know, the, 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 the white area with the black dot in it. And you see the black area with the white dot in it. And you see that movement, the continual movement that it in, in, involves or that it, it gives the sense of. And then you recognize that if you've looked at that, the importance of it. As the symbol demonstrates um, that it's the edge of experience. That's the whole. That's everything. And we can work with the whole. And it's very difficult to work with the whole. It's almost impossible for us to conceive of being aware at that level. So as I've worked with that over the tr- over the past decades and recognized the the humbling part of, you know, of, of working with something that profound and that succinct and um, that accurate. It makes us um, recognize that these symbols that reflect polarity like that, they reflect to us that um, it's really important. We can't manage the edge without the whole. So the next question would be, what is distress? So most people don't have a definition because it's an uncommon word in our culture. It refers to the thought that that we're stressed in a big way and does not counsel the norm, meaning the issues, the issue of distress is uncommon. We would want to know that how to work with the pain. But there are many forms of distress and how we cope and how we help ourselves when concerning the delicate issue of spirituality is special. So distress is an, expre- is, is an expression of suffering, yes. And common experiences that are heightened. The concern for spiritual distress looks to how we work with issues of care how to care for ourselves, how to manage the personal values of health and the process of carrying on a continual thread through the cycling of life. So this issue of distress has its own language. And because we're going to be taking a break in a minute, what I'm going to do then is going to take you through an understanding or perhaps um, help uh with a little respect, bring some of the common symptoms that I see when we're looking to take ourselves from a process, as I mentioned, of play, of imagination, of care, into that big edge and work collectively and and calling that the bigger picture. I'm going to also mention that as I have 
come to that edge many times and have examined my own values and have helped many people work with that edge and enjoy the edge and enjoy the ways of grounding or holding heart, mind, and, and body in comfort at that edge. I also come to see that there are certain ways of practice that support that. And some people I know have effectively been able to demonstrate that over decades and centuries that it has tradition to it. So Five Blossom uh, introduces uh, Light of Compassion uh, Council, which helps with that if those who are interested. So that's lightofcompassion.ca. But you can also consider the light and gentle practice of the flying crane qigong. It's probably the most delicate that I have that for an introductory practice teaches you how to energy, self-regulate basically, and how to create a complement to integrating that that pain, that stress, that concern, without having to think it through, but allowing for the bigger picture, the bigger envelope of care. And you can um, visit eventbrite.ca. It's a free class for those who want to learn that. And, and lastly, I'm integrating this and in offering you the concept of those who are more interested in the natural world and interested in a more mindful approach uh, not so much a physical approach. Uh, there's a way of contemplation that I, that I introduce through the way of earth stewardship. And uh, that's uh, available uh, through registration at fiveblossomgatherings.com. So here we go. I'm going to take a moment's break and I will return and offer you now uh, a little bit more detail on the symptoms and how we can work that together. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Five Blossom Gatherings is the website and program from Denise Richard. By visiting FiveBlossomGatherings.com, you'll find out more about Denise's professional Tai Chi and Qigong services. Explore her website and view works of art and much more. You can book healing and counseling sessions with Denise. She works with clients who have health interests and concerns. Her programs include knowing your whole body, self-care for your health, and inspiring wholeness. Visit FiveBlossomGatherings.com today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to 5 Blossom Radio. Connect with the program today by calling in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to 5blossomgatherings at gmail.com. Now, back to 5 Blossom Radio. So I'm welcoming you back. We're speaking to the issue of spiritual care and how to tell the symptoms of spiritual distress. So I'm, I've highlighted a few thoughts about spirituality and how spiritual people are caring people. I spoke of a time when I first opened uh, to care practice and taking a period of absence and how it opened a new chapter in my life. And I expected with that work that the edge of experience would become more effortless or easier, let's say. And uh, to my confusion, it wasn't. And the process did support me, did provide some support, but as care is a key ingredient 
for health. Uh, however, through experience, I see that our culture really lacks an understanding and respect for the power of this type of work. And as sensitive as this is, I don't think we can deny it, that we lack respect for those who care. And what go, I, you know, I, you hear it, what goes around comes around, what we sow we reap. Kindness became my standard approach. It was a way of working spiritually. And unfortunately, this work didn't actually diminish the stress at the edge of experience. And that was like, ooh, that was, that, was a, that was a blow. I would have thought after all these years that, you know, with that. And I go, no, I have to accept that. It helps. So, so I came to understand early on that spiritual growth is personal and that it's the most delicate relationship we'll ever have. And those who care for us know the value of this way of relating. In other words, I remember being offered a way of relationship, a practice that was really, that became a very, very, um, it, it was a key to a change in my life. The practice induced a lot of awareness and gave me a certain kind of grounding. On one occasion, this was when I was feeling really not okay, things were upsetting, and I pulled my notes out of my cupboard and uh, I took the time and care to work with a basic kindness practice. So I'm coming back to that theme. And I sat down, I enjoyed the practice, and the initial experience was a feeling of, of, of self-support. So you see that I'm saying it does help. It helped me breathe. And under the circumstances that were very painful, I came to recognize that those who care can do this. That if I care and I can do this, then other people who care can do this. And those who want to care will commonly look to how we can manage distress. So this little practice became me. And with time, it kind of integrated. So later on, I came to realize, oh, I've been doing this for a long time. This is the way I do it now because it really worked to help soothe a little bit, but it doesn't take that edge away. So those who offer spiritual care, I recognize, would know this, and they're usually caring people. So kindness does support care. So kindness helps hold the grounding, and it isn't, but it isn't um, the resolution is what I'm trying to say. It does bring qualities and provides support in managing the relationship with, with, with the edge. I can add also that kindness as a sensitive attribute also at that edge will help dispel cruelty. So when somebody's really unkind or maybe, unkind, maybe you're unkind to yourself, and maybe let's just leave it there, then it helps dispel the cruelty inside you and that has an effect to the cruelty outside you because when somebody's outsidely cruel then if we're kind it dispels it doesn't it doesn't add it doesn't increase the violence so kindness supports care and kindness helps good grounding so as spirituality is my interest and spiritual practices play the part of my daily work, something opens here in mind when that sensitive kindness cares for the heart, it reflects its origin. So I came to see that I'm kind because people have been kind. And then I could see that I can flutter through, oh yeah, I'm kind because my, my mom was a kind person or my father was a kind person to me. So in youth, as I mentioned, we gather in a common way. And what draws us towards this is that the value of gathering with care promotes a way of heart for everybody, for all. And as I call it, I create 
an envelope of care. So the gathering together in care helps us learn that envelope. So you can take all kinds of ways of gathering there and consider that if you're gathering with care, then you're creating help with managing the edge. So let's now add this. I'm going to bring you into um, a vision. The process of visioning. So take a moment and imagine what results you want and where you want to take yourself. And project this forward and take each and how you're going to be taught, basically, that you're going to have to take each day one step at a time. This is spiritual training in the old way. So as the process helps you to create a grounding and to materialize the vision, it requires that you engage the unique qualities of care for the journey you've chosen. So it's pretty sound work and it creates spiritual identity. I'm, I'm going to highlight this because as I come later on and identify things, you'll recognize that this is probably one of the most powerful things that we do. So many have shared the sadness in realizing how the work in caring cannot resolve the pain, but caring does make the journey more palpable. I've said that already. So the next question I would have is, what are symptoms? As you're walking that journey, experience in your body, in your mind, that have value, that are meaningful to you, those symptoms are the strong signals. They can be any level of body, mind, or heart. And they blend or they combine together and they speak of feelings. And these feelings together will say, no, not okay. It's not perhaps one thing, but it's a general essence of not okay. And these feelings or these symptoms are monitoring your environment. And these symptoms can't manage themselves. They work on a value that is set outside of you. They come from the bigger picture. And as you cultivate a personal identity, symptoms of distress contribute as part of your process for healing, learning, and caring. Now, I can hear people going, oh, no, 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 I'm going to go get, get them taken away, thanks. <laughs> but I'm encouraging you to stay with me because we have more to say here. Um, spiritual care in other cultures, uh, because I've, I've done you know studies and research in other cultures, Uh, designates a way of training, a basic, basic training. And this training places value on every choice we make. So meaning that anything that diminishes the way of care or the holding of that care envelope isn't eligible. Meaning with practice, daily practice, the general walk towards that means we have to meet it. We have to meet every choice. So general symptoms of spiritual distress are actually easy to find. They come through with a profound sense of pain, a heartfelt pain or hurt. A common question, I hear this one a lot, why do good people get hurt so much. That would be spiritual distress. So symptoms can be felt on any level, and I've concerned myself with 
the effects of current issues with care and climate. And when we experience deep concern for the welfare of our communities, of our country, of our world, all layers of healthcare feel like they get shrink-wrapped with a sense of tightening or being squeezed in the experience when we have to face what we have to face. So we're all under this. We're all feeling it. And it's not just that we feel it emotionally or mentally. It's that we also will know the feeling physically. You may not be able to breathe very well, or you may have a sense of, you know, I, I'm just not able to bend over today. <laughs> you know, I, there could be a number of symptoms to that. But there's a physical manifestation. So managing your personal care is going to be much of the issue. And we want to know how to look at the symptoms when we can't manage the whole. So it takes a huge amount of respect to protect, to protect our deep intelligence. Now, I have a great deal of respect for deep intelligence because I've witnessed, I've witnessed wonderful miracles by allowing this deep wisdom to regulate my body, whether it be, you know, you watch it as kids get sick and the Everything clears up because the body takes hold and, you know, regulates itself. It's, it, we have that on every level of our being, that deep wisdom that knows how to take care. So if I offer you this information, it's to say that you have the capacity to tap into that just by being kind. And taking it step by step by step. So that's one of the main pieces of this today. But if we do this together, we will work through the change. So I stop here and pause because I'm going to trace my steps again. Looking at very basic ways of engaging life, you'll see what makes this hard. Most stress reactions are fear-induced. If we take the current theme, as I just said, climate emergency, we cannot consider comfort. So it terrorizes us, and many of us will speak to how we can't observe the future or consider the outcome. So this is an extremish issue, and, it, and I, I feel it asks for counsel. When we feel flooded with too much and too many issues, stress relief generally looks to support a physical way of work. And yes, symptoms can be physical, as I just mentioned. So commonly, we look to buffer with our, our, our experience at this edge with other forms of care. And it's, 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 it's a fascinating thing. I, I had an experience many times of asking somebody, well, why don't we meet up and go, oh, ah, that's, that's my caregiver's name. Okay, but didn't you have it? Like, yeah, I have, I have three of them now. You know, it's like, it's like we have to add on more and more caregiving because our stress loads are that big. And it's not to say that that's a problem, but it's very costly. It's costly in many ways, is that perhaps there's something else we can consider when it comes to the value of care and the holding of care together and something perhaps a little simpler and regulated at a level that is perhaps more natural, more genuine, more personal. So we can fill the calendar with caregivers and fill the process with other people. And the challenge that I often see is that we distance ourselves. 
it, it, it we need support that's fine it's it's not a, it's not that we can't receive the support it's that if that becomes the norm then we're maybe perhaps losing touch with ourselves at the same time and that's where the 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 yin yang symbol really powers up on us or the or the, even learning how to hold yourself in a field of stress and stay grounded and stay connected and staying kind what spiritual distress offers us is a signal as i mentioned that we need special care and it entails a way of engaging with ourselves to hope and vision for greater good. And that's where I would like to take that, that symptoms will have their own value, and commonly we know that stress can touch any area of a body. If spiritual distress is strong, we have the symptom of feeling that we can't hold on and we can't affect anything, or we can't take care. Now we're getting into trouble. And if we can't take care, if we feel inapt on every level, spiritual distress, as I said, if we hold to the old way of practice, fine. But if we remove ourselves, we lose the potential for integrating and growing together. So if the work is good, then we can support the work of others and hold together. It's basically one of the messages. One of the most obvious symptoms of distress is that we can't give. And we can't offer to those who really care anything but strife. So there's a the, the sense of we feel that the world isn't of standard. It's going to pots. And we can't offer anything good. And I get very sad. I get a little choked when I say that. Because it feels it feels damaging to the potential. We have a potential together. And in care, I feel that that kind of discourse, that kind of continual rub wears us and takes away something really special. So we feel that the world isn't of standard. This way of managing the world isn't good for any of us, really. It delivers a death sentence, and and it isn't respectful to others. So when in distress, if all are clear that we accept a way of practice or allow for proper management, then we can allow for support and help with those who need. So here's a, another little story. I'm going to lighten it up a bit because I, I feel a little heavy, but it's, it's, a, it's a truth. It's a truth. And I, touching it is delicate, and I hope that you can stay with me here. This little story is very kind. Um, it's a sensitive memory. I'm a young mother, and a, my daughter's a yearling. Uh, in her play area, midsummer, so this, it's pretty hot, summer, um, humid, and I see her sitting very quietly. She's in her diaper. Her skin is exposed to allow for the weather, and her tiny little hand is poised on her belly, and she's looking down at herself, on her, at her belly, at her navel. And, you know, they have these round little Buddha bellies and at that age and it's big and round compared to the, you know, the, it's just really overbearing. I just couldn't, couldn't imagine what she was thinking. So she's seemingly engaged and observing her navel and she's sitting there and I sat there and sat there and watched her and watched her and wondering, what is she doing? What is she seeing? What is she doing? So... It was, it was a real experience to wonder what does a one-year-old do in those moments. She's experienced her own quietness. She's experiencing her own presence, her own space. She's quiet. She's calm. 
she's safe. So I brought this forward because that was a very valuable moment. And it stayed with me because it was like, yeah, that's it. How can we help each other there? And I recognized that we have it. We have it even at the age of one. So if care is needed, then how we make this happen will offer much help in managing our future to promote health. We have to promote care in a bigger way and spend less on how we look. If the process is given to those who care and held in care, we can consider that the way is already there. So those who seek will seldom find if they don't have the way, but those who seek are the ones who will find, as the finding is personal. The offering of this talk isn't anything formal, but it is a way of considering. It's a way of consideration for our choices. So I'm taking a big breath here and taking the last moments here to um, say for those who are interested in my model, we have a few supports, as I mentioned, that Light of Compassion offers counsel in spiritual matters. And uh, those interested in a light, gentle practice for the body, I would actually also add there that um, I offer a very light way of working with Tai Chi, with uh, also Qigong. And uh, if you go to eventbrite.ca, you'll find the Flying Crane Qigong, and it's an ancient practice. And I, I'm sure it was designed for these moments of the edge because it really does highlight um, some genuine techniques on how to reconnect, on how to hold and allow for the natural integration, and how to observe that edge of experience. For those also interested in earth stewardship, we have the webinar series, and you can find that at fiveblossomgatherings.com. So I'm thanking my listeners today, and I'm appreciating your time and your care, and I hope that this was able to give you some insight. And uh, may you be well. This is Denise Richard of Five Blossom Radio. Joining us this week for Five Blossom Radio with Denise Richard. Please tune into our next program. We're live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we speak again, may you have a harmonious week.